As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. It is Nurse Mo, and welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. And today we will be talking about the oh so exciting world of diuretics. Yay! Diuretics are something that you will see all the time in the clinical setting. So it's helpful to have an idea of the different types and how they work and what you're going to watch for. So before we get started, I want to make a quick announcement that if you are not following Straight A Nursing Student on social media like Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, you might want to start now because it is time for a tip a day in May, which is how we celebrate Nurses Week around here by posting a fantastic nursing tip every single day for the month of May. May. So if you are not following, check it out. Twitter, it's at straight a nurse. Same for Instagram. And then on Facebook, if you search for the group, not the group rather, but the page straight a nursing student, you will find it. Okay, so let's get to talking about some diuretics. So basically, diuretics are used to help regulate fluid balance in the body. And you will see this in all kinds of situations like hypertension, pulmonary edema, congestive heart failure, liver failure, renal failure. So you're going to be using them for patients for a lot of reasons with a lot of different pathophysiologies. There's essentially three main types with an extra fourth kind of specialty grouping. We'll start by talking about the three main types, and those are the loop diuretics, the potassium sparing diuretics, and the thiazide diuretics. So basically, diuretics work, if you think about the physiology of the kidney and all the tubules and all of that, you remember that basically water follows salt. So most diuretics are going to work by blocking the resorption of sodium in the nephrons of the kidney. So then we have more sodium in the urine and therefore more water in the urine, which is excreted out. We have fluid losses and hopefully maintain fluid balance in your patient who is fluid overloaded. So where this happens and how it happens all has to do with what type of diuretic is used and where it acts in the kidney. So let's start talking first about the most potent of the diuretics, and that is your loop diuretics. So these are the most effective. You'll have the biggest water losses with these and also the biggest potential for side effects. So these are the loop diuretics. This is your Lasix 
furosemide, uh, demodex, torzamide, and bumex. Okay, so these all work on the loop of Henle. And if you remember from your physiology class, you might remember that there's a lot of sodium in that loop of Henle. So if we block that resorption, then we're going to have a potential for greater fluid losses. And that's why they're so potent and that's why they work so, so well. In my clinical practice, the one I see most commonly is Lasix. And you may have already noticed that if you've been in clinicals, lots of patients will take Lasix at home. And if a patient is in the hospital and having some fluid overload issues, Lasix is typically the one that the MD will prescribe. So with your loop of Henley diuretics, one of the things that will happen is that with that excretion, you will also get potassium losses. So the side effects with your loop diuretics, you have to keep a very careful eye on your potassium levels and watch for cardiac dysrhythmias with that because as you know, hypokalemia can cause some pretty potent dysrhythmias. You'll also watch for hypotension. Loop diuretics can cause significant hypotension and can even cause dehydration if you overshoot it. So definitely keep an eye on those side effects. And you also want to keep a close eye out for hearing loss and ringing in the ears. High doses of Lasix can cause ototoxicity. So keep an eye out for that. This is basically, they're all available PO and also IV. You will often see Lasix and Bumex as IV drips, meaning continuous IV infusions. And sometimes those are to titrate to a certain amount of water loss. And sometimes they're not. It's just a basic like Lasix at five milligrams an hour kind of situation. So that is the short and sweet on your loop diuretics. The main ones again, Lasix and Bumex, I would say, but Lasix far and above more common than any others that I see. Now, the next ones we're going to talk about are the potassium sparing diuretics. So while the loop diuretics cause potassium losses, there's another type of diuretic that's going to try to minimize that. And these are the potassium sparing diuretics. So they're not as effective. They don't cause as much water loss as the loop diuretics do, but that's essentially why you will see them used in combination with loop diuretics or thiazide diuretics, which, which we'll talk about in a minute. They don't have quite the amount of fluid loss, but they do help to kind of mitigate that potassium loss so that it's not too robust. So these work in the late distal tubule, and that is where potassium is typically exchanged with sodium and secreted into the tubule, meaning into the urine to be excreted out. So we're going to block that action and thereby retain more potassium. So the common ones you will see with this are spironolactone, otherwise known as aldactone. And I might be messing up the pronunciation, but that's how I say it in my head. So that's how I'm saying it to you guys. So if you see someone on spironolactone, they're probably also on Lasix or a thiazide diuretic. And we will talk about those now. So thiazide diuretics, these are 
very widely prescribed. You will see that there are a lot of different ones, but commonly I see two when I'm taking care of patients. Those are diuril, also known as chlorothiazide, and then there's hydrochlorothiazide, which you could also see as the uh, initial letters H, C, T, Z. So chlorothiazide and hydrochlorothiazide. So these will act now on the early distal tubule. And basically you'll see these as a treatment for mild, maybe kind of moderate hypertension. Again, they're not as potent as the loop diuretics, so you will have less water losses, which is why they're mostly just used for that mild to maybe moderate hypertension. But with that less water loss, you also have less potential for adverse side effects. You do want to still watch for things like orthostatic hypotension and um, dehydration, but definitely a lot of patients are on these and they're not requiring as much monitoring as say like Lasix does. And then we go into the specialty diuretics arena and you'll see a few of these. They don't act the same way as the others, so they're not grouped together with those. And we won't get into the whole psychopharmacology of them. I just want to mention what they are so that if you see one come up, you'll know that it's probably not being used for like hypertension or pulmonary edema. It's used for something else. So the two that I see the most commonly are Diamox and Manitol. So Diamox you'll see used to actually treat open angle glaucoma. So it is a diuretic that will decrease intraocular pressure. And then the other is mannitol, which is an osmotic diuretic. Now, one of the pharmacology references that I use says this can be used for patients in acute renal failure to maintain urine flow. I've never seen it used for that. I'm not saying that that's not true. It's just how I've seen it used has been in neuro patients to decrease cerebral edema and get the ICP levels down. And if you're interested at all in ICP management, there is a post on the website, straightanursingstudent.com. If you look in the search bar for ICP, it'll come up and it will talk a lot about mannitol. And just as a side note, you may also see it used to treat glaucoma as well. And it is available as IV only. So those are your three main groups of diuretics plus one little specialty group. Just to recap, we have the loop diuretics that is Lasix, basically uh, the most common one, and then Bumex, which is 40 times more potent than Lasix. If I didn't say that already, that is worth repeating, 40 times more potent. Then we have the potassium sparing diuretics, and that was your spironolactone. Then we have those thiazide diuretics, which are going to be more widely used, but definitely with way less water loss and way less side effects. And that's your diarrheal, also known as chlorothiazide, and your hydrochlorothiazide. And then the specialty ones that you might see, diamox uh, and mannitol, both used for glaucoma. Mannitol also used for acute renal failure and most widely in my practice, for neurological indications. So with any diuretic, you want to give your patient some education. 
And the main things that I would tell my patient if I only had to choose a few things would be one, you want to watch for orthostatic hypotension. Two, if you can take your diuretic no later than maybe 1800 at night, do so because you don't want to be up all night going to the bathroom. And also three, that they may need to monitor their potassium levels and even take a potassium replacement. So those are your facts for diuretics, hopefully enough so that when you go to clinical or study the renal system, you have a good idea of what's going on with your patient. So if you are one of the lucky ones who just found out that they were accepted into nursing school, I want to say congratulations. That is so amazing. I remember that feeling well and the amount of relief that followed and then the amount of anxiety and a little bit of terror. So to help you with that and minimize that, I wrote a book a while back called Nursing School Thrive Guide. And if you guys check it out on Amazon, I believe it's also available on barnesandnoble.com, but definitely available on Amazon. You can get a ton of tips about what to expect in nursing school, study tips, how to be great in clinical, how to get yourself organized, tons of great information. Check out the reviews. They are pretty complimentary if I do say so myself. So check that out. And then if you need even more guidance, I invite you to go to straightanursingstudent.com where there are a ton of free and amazing resources for you guys. And then we've also started introducing premium content. So there are some premium study guides for super cheap that you can check out. Go to the website, explore your heart's content and check back in a couple of weeks for the next episode of the Straight A Nursing Podcast. Thanks everyone and have a great day. This podcast is brought to you by straightanursingstudent.com. Copyright Mo Media. you find it hard to sleep at night then the calm cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long calm cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires all of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast calm cove is brought to you by the team behind sleep cove the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night.